youth have taken over a little bit, so we are doing a youth takeover Sunday. So uh, we had our youth worship team up here first, uh, first off, and it was really cool because you'll notice that we have one adult and then a high schooler and a junior hire and another junior hire and a high schooler that just got back from Texas serving on one of the relief teams last night at about midnight. So yeah, praise the Lord. So super blessed, uh, me as a junior high pastor, I was super blessed to be able to see our team up here and uh, blessing you guys and and, uh, worshiping with you guys. So if you are new here, let me just give you the little disclaimer right off the bat that this is not a normal service. Uh, This is our youth worship team. My name is Nick. I'm the junior high pastor. And if this is your first time coming here and you wanted to see what the church is about, this should still be a great service. However, it is not Miles. Please come back and see Miles next week. He's a fantastic teacher. He's going through First Timothy right now, and uh, it, you'll be thoroughly blessed. Uh, but again, my name is Nick. I'm the junior high pastor here, and uh, wanted to let you know some about some of what we've been doing in the youth room next door because we've got two walls over uh, a whole group of youth that we teach every single week, twice a week, and uh, they're going to be the ones that are in here shortly. So they're, they're, I want to kind of let you know what we're doing to preach and teach to them and kind of give you an idea of what's going on. So Jason is our high school pastor, and he's currently teaching on Sundays through, uh, through the book of John, and they're doing a video, which is like a word-by-word reenactment of the book. So it's really kind of cool. It's, it's dramatized, and, uh, but it, it still holds exactly to the scripture. And then after they're done watching that video, they then go through and Uh, do small group discussion and kind of go through the passage and and discuss all of that. On Wednesdays, they just got done with Pastor Miles and the rest of the body doing the Discipleship 2 course. So they went through and uh, the course that you guys have probably heard about in the last few weeks here, they were doing that in the youth room and so the high schoolers were in there with them and and learning alongside of them. So that was really cool. Uh, They just got finished up with that this last Wednesday. Uh, On Sundays, I'm currently teaching through the book of Philippians and then I'm teaching on uh, Wednesdays did I say Sunday? Sunday I'm teaching through Philippians? Yeah. And then Wednesday I'm teaching through 1 Samuel, which I'm just about finished up with that, but that's been pretty fun because we're taking the junior hires through the life of David and the things that he did great and the things that he messed up on. It's, it's a good time. But I started teaching a little bit different. What I used to do was I would teach uh, in a 45-minute sermon format, kind of like what you're doing here, and as much as I put a lot of effort into making sure that it was, it was good for the kids, that they understand it and everything, on Wednesdays especially, I noticed that they started, uh, they were just, they were tired from school and they'd get to, get to the class at, you know, seven at night and they're going through homework and, and they're just exhausted from, from the middle of the week. And so as I'm teaching one week, I realized that every one of their eyes are glazed over Again, not because I'm not trying to teach to them directly. The, the message is pointed at them, but their eyes are glazed over because they're just exhausted. And then I'm looking over at one of the kids going, <laughs> and <laughs> it was a bummer because you, you I, I really want the junior hires to hear what the word has to say. There's so much important information in here. There's so much that's relevant to them living lives that, that glorify God that I, I knew it needed to make a change. So instead of just teaching on uh, from for 45 minutes straight, I started teaching them with questions. And what I mean is I've got this right here. So this right here is 
a number of questions that we go through. So I told you we're going through Philippians on Sundays. And so first, Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, I'll read through the text and then explain kind of briefly about what the text means and give them kind of an idea of what's going on. But then I leave a lot to be desired. And I ask him things like, who is Timothy? You see, Paul says in there, I'm sending Timothy to you. Well, if you're reading this text, it's very important that you know who Timothy is. So question number one, who is Timothy? And much of the time, you get that now, when they answer the questions, they're allowed to cheat. They can use all of the, they can use their Bible. They can use their smartphones. They can go on Blue Letter Bible and look into anything. In fact, I encourage it, and I've taught them how to do that, and I've, I continue to try to help them look into and, and find out who that is and, and show them how simple it is to find the answers that they're looking for. But I, I put the questions back on them. So ask them the questions. And the reason that I began doing this is because as they're tired and exhausted and maybe just kind of coming in with a lot of things on their mind. What this does is it causes them to have to be invested in what, they're te- in what I'm teaching. They are responsible for looking up the answers. They're responsible for considering what they would do if they were put in the same position. So the life of David, you know, he's, he's in a situation where he's standing over his enemy Saul. And he's got a choice. He, he's standing over the head of Saul who has been chasing him for years and is just a constant pain for him and is trying to kill him. And there's a spear stuck in the ground next to his head. Now we're talking about a man of war. So the question to them is, what would you do? You're a man of war. You're looking at the face of the man who has been challenging you and trying to kill you for years. He's asleep. There's a spear there right there. What do you do? And then the question is, what did David do? Because what you might have done might be different than what David did. And what David did might have been the wrong thing. So would you have done the right thing? Would you, which, which would you have done? So, of course, David doesn't stick him with a spear. He says, no, I'm not going to take the Lord's anointed. And so we, we walk through things like that. Who is Timothy? What would you do in the situation And when they finish answering the questions in their discussion groups, I then take them through the answers. And, and what I do is I then teach them in the same kind of fashion that I would normally. These are just bullet points out of a message that you'd normally find in notes. But then I teach them through those things. And the difference is that they're engaged because they want to know if they got the answers right or if they would have done the right thing. They're, well... Click. There we go. They're actively engaging in the gospel. And I, I got to tell you, from my own heart, seeing junior hires actively working and writing down and working towards finding the answers and saying, hey, I got a question. What does this mean over here? Can you help me with this? I love it. I love it. It's good. It's so cool to see. Junior hires are actively engaging in the gospel. So, Sorry, my clicker is going a little slow here. I want to take you guys today through a little bit of a hybrid of this. This is Youth Takeover, and so we're going to do things a little bit differently. Uh, we're not going to do the same kind of discussion group like we normally do because this is much too large a crowd. I couldn't be able to discuss with you guys the same way that I normally would. I, I, think, I'm, I think I'm 
scraping a beard hair or something like that. Sorry. <laughs> These microphones and whatnot. I'm, I'm in a much smaller room normally. I want to take you guys through a little bit of a hybrid of what we normally do. Uh, of course, we can't do the small groups like we would normally do, but I'm going to take you guys through some questions and ask you guys things directly, and you're going to have a chance to respond. You'll notice that on your flyer this week, there's not point number one with missing words. It just says strength and mind and heart. And that's it. That's because all that space is there for you to respond to questions that I'm going to throw up here so that you guys will be able to have a, a minute just to think and consider. Now, the reason I'm doing this is twofold. First of all, I want to give you a little bit of an idea of what we do in the junior high room. It's just experience, let you guys experience a little bit of, of that. But at the same time, and more importantly, as I've been praying about what to share with you guys, as I've been praying over what the Lord might have me teach in here, the thing that kept coming to coming to my mind and the thing that kept coming to my heart is that we need spiritual maintenance, or in other words, we need a, a spiritual pit stop. Now, I want to explain with something. In college, my first car was a 1985 Toyota Camry. This puppy right here. In all its glory. It had AC. Remember, envy is a sin, so contain yourselves, but... That's it. This isn't actually mine, unfortunately. I don't know if I have a picture of mine or not, but I found one that is basically exactly the same thing. It was, it was silver. It was a beauty. Got me to and from Missouri. But one day I hear the, the brakes, the, the back wakes squeaking. I think I have in my notes that it's squeaking, and my parents are in here, so I can't lie, because it was more of a grinding noise. And at the time, they cautioned me, and I, you know, I heard it, and they cautioned me, hey, that, that noise, that grinding noise that your vehicle is making is not a noise that a normal functioning vehicle makes. It, it should not be making that grinding noise. But in my 19-year-old wisdom, thought, it's okay. It'll last another day. I, I'm gonna, it'll be fine. I can, I can make it. It's not that bad. It still breaks just fine. I don't have the money for it. You guys know the excuses. So I'm going, ah, it's fine. It's okay. Well, I'm driving to work one day after one of my college classes. And as I'm driving to work, I'm on mission which you guys know is a pretty busy road, coming up to a red light, long line of traffic, and as I go to hit that brake pedal, nothing happens, and I pump the brakes, and nothing is happening, and I'm, I'm stomping here, and I can tell you that's not quite as hard as I'm stomping in my car going, please stop, and it's not stopping. Reenactment of me. What happened was the brakes were so worn down and neglected that when I went to push on the brake, the hydraulic overextended to the drum and the little plungers or whatever came out. I'm not going to pretend to be a mechanic. <laughs> plungers came out and all the brake fluid leaked out. And by leaked out, I mean drained out immediately. It, just, it was one too many press. And I no longer had brakes. So I'm bearing down on the cars in front of me at 45 miles an hour. I squealed, and then I quickly shifted down, swerved over into the left-hand turn lane, which, by the grace of God, had a smaller amount of cars, was able to shift down until I finally got it slow enough to where I could then pin my car into the curb, uh, or the front tire into the curb and come to a complete stop. And again, by the grace of God, I did not hit anybody. I was not killed that day, because as much as that 85 beauty is a looker, it's not going to hold up real well against a suburban. <laughs> but I was given grace that day. 
and I made my way over to a parking spot, and my stepdad came the next day and got it over to the mechanic and explained what took place, and the mechanic kind of took a look at what was going on, and he only had one thing to say to my dad when he, when he saw that he went, man, kids are dumb. <laughs> and he, he was right. He was absolutely correct. In that situation, I made, I made a, a poor choice thinking that my car was going to last forever, that I didn't have to do anything to it, that I didn't have to take care of it, that I didn't have to maintain it. But I was wrong. You see, we cannot allow ourselves to fall into the same mistake with our walks with the Lord either. Our walks need maintenance. And so what I'm doing in here is I want to take you guys through and ask you questions, and we're going to go through kind of that hybrid like I had mentioned. And I'm going to stop talking and give you a chance to sit there and think about the question and think about your own lives and think about how to respond. Because we need to check the oil and we need to check the tire pressure and we need to check those things regularly because it's important. So if you guys wouldn't mind flipping over to Mark chapter 12, and if you need a Bible, our ushers are in the back, go ahead and raise your hand, they can get you a Bible. So Mark chapter 12 and as you guys are turning there, I'm going to pray for our time. Father, we thank you for the time that we have here. We ask that you would minister to us, that you'd speak to us, that you would press into us and find if there's any uh, problems that are going on. That you'd help us to get introspective here and, and consider uh, what might need to change and, and what you want to do in our lives. And so, Father, would you open our hearts, would you open our minds right now? Help us to give this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So Mark chapter 12, we're in verse 28. It says, And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered, Jesus, he answered them well, asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. You see, Jesus made it clear here that there are two commandments that are the most important for our lives. He wasn't trying to hide it. He wasn't trying to put any, put any pictures to it. He said it plainly. We're called to love God with everything that we are, with everything and to love our neighbor as well as we would love ourselves. But today I want to focus specifically on loving God and, and what that means. And now Jesus breaks that into four parts. And so I want to break it down into each one of those four parts, beginning with the... Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't... I put the text up there. I want to break this down into four parts, beginning with the last part, the strength. That you're called to love God with all of your strength. There are two sides to each of these coins as we go through strength and, and mind and, and all of those, is that there's one side that you are called to put the effort in, that you are called to put the hard work in, but there's another side that we have to trust the Lord. So each of these things comes with different sides, and as far as the strength goes, okay, as far as the strength goes, my, my role here is multifaceted. I am the uh, maintenance guy, so you might see me running around here with a worried look on my face on Sundays because an AC unit is broken or something goes on. That's, that's me running around taking care of facility stuff. I, I do that around here. That takes a certain level of physical strength. 
At the same time, I'm also responsible for a portion of the photo video stuff that requires toting things around and, and getting interviews and doing different things like that around here. And, and that also requires a certain level of strength, which, you know, not, not a big issue. But I am also the junior high pastor. And that requires a whole different level of strength and effort, let me tell you. Um, before and after service, we typically play, play games or run around, do goofy stuff, and I'm, I'm chasing kids before and after service. During service, sometimes you have to chase kids and, and run around and tackle them, and it's just it's part of the growth process and the learning process. Uh, we, do, we do game nights frequently, uh, either in the summertime, every single week, we'll do a fun in the sun, or, or we come up with different things where we just try to, try to find new and creative ways to torture the kids, and, and you know, it's, just, it's, it's all fun, but you're running around playing games, and, and it's, it's running and jumping and, and ducking and sometimes even bouncing, which is getting more painful. And then we have things like camp, which are a full week of exertion. I mean, you get, you get out there on Monday, and you're there until Friday or Saturday from 6.30 a.m. until sometimes after midnight chasing around junior hires. And I mean, you're responsible for them the whole time. And so there's not a lot of rest that comes along with that. Now, I just turned 30 this year, which I know is, is still pretty young, but it's not 12. And things are starting to hurt. And things are starting to ache when I wake up. And if I do things, you know, we just did broom ball, which let me tell you, you wake up the next day and 12-year-olds are going, oh man, I got a bruise on my leg. But the pastors and the leaders were going like, I don't think I'll ever walk again. My back is, <laughs> you're done. It, it just, it, it kills you. But in recognizing that as I become a little bit older and I'm, the gap between me and the junior hires is getting bigger, there's a side to it where I have to start taking care of myself a little better. That nachos are not an acceptable lunch anymore. That things like that, you know, I have to think about cholesterol, which I, you know, I had to Google it when I was, what is, what is cholesterol and why is it high? It, I've got to start taking care of what God has given me, my body, in order to do the things that he's called me to do. Uh, going for walks, eating better and all that. So the Lord has called me to do a pretty physical thing. I'm required to take care of the body that he's given me. But at the same time, not every one of us are called to do the same thing. I am capable of certain things. You guys are capable of doing different things. I am five foot nine. I'm not real muscular. The security ministry is not my calling. I, I'm not going to go tackle some big guy that's coming in to try to take, take somebody out. Or, that, that's not my thing, nor am I going to be able to swim like Michael Phelps. I, I don't have that ability. I'm a pretty slow swimmer. I'm kind of a dog paddler. I can get around, but I'm not a Michael Phelps. Those things aren't within my capabilities. And so understand that I'm not saying that you have to do whatever the Lord has called me to do. The Lord has called me to be a junior high pastor. I've got to make sure to take care of myself in, so that I'm able to do what he's called me to do. The Lord has called you to love the Lord with all of your strength, whatever, whatever abilities, whatever strength he's given you, you're called to love the Lord with that strength, with your everything. So you, you got to consider how best to take care of your body in order to love God with all of your strength. So First uh, Timothy chapter four verse one. I'm going to throw a lot of verses up there. So if uh, if we if I go too quick, you can write them down and then go Harris to check me later. But First Timothy chapter four verse seven says, "Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way." 
and it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So I added this in there as far as talking about exercise and taking care of your body to kind of calibrate that, yes, there is some emphasis that we should put on physical exercise. It should not become a, an object of worship. It should not become, our bodies should not become an object of worship or idolatry, but we should exercise and take care of ourselves, take care of the resource that the God gave us enough so much as it leads to godliness. So it leads us to further godliness and doing what the Lord has called us to do. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 through 20, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So in this, we must be cautious not to pollute our bodies from the inside out. That could be with food, overeating or whatever, but it also comes with intoxication from alcohol or drugs. It could come from sexual sin or any other means. Any one of these things can pollute us from the inside out. Again, the, the Lord has given us a resource, which is our body, and we should use that for his glory. But then there's the other side of the coin. That yes, we need to put the effort in, we need to take care of what he's given us, but... We also need to trust the Lord in providing for our physical needs. There's, there's things that are outside of our capability, and so we need to trust the Lord that he's going to provide for all of our physical needs. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 says, Therefore I, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? Verse 31 continues, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, and what, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. So, you guys are called to trust the Lord both to take care of your physical needs, to provide. You know, you go out to work, you do what you need to do, and you trust him to provide for your physical needs, but at the same time, we're called to put the effort into taking care of the physical body that he's given us. So, question number one. Is there an area that you lack trust in the Lord or provision where you haven't cared for the body that he's given you that's hindered you from, from loving God with all of your strength? Is there, is there an area in your life that's lacking, that you are neglecting, that has hindered you from loving him with all your strength? If so, then what do you need to do to change that? Now, I always tell the junior hires, I don't want to hear a, a very fruity, spiritual, like, oh, the Lord speaketh. No, no, I, I want practical application here. I'm asking you, what do you need to change in your own life? What needs to change in what's going on with you. And so I'm going to stop talking here in just a minute so that you can think about that question and write down an answer and, and kind of go through and consider. So go ahead and take a minute to do that.
All right. So I'm sorry I can't give you guys more time. We're running on certain time restraints, but the next thing we've been called to do is love God with all of our minds. Now, the first thing to consider about this is that if you've been going to church for any amount of time, I'm sure you've heard this, but if you want to love God with your mind, the first thing that you have to do is make sure that you're not filling it with filth and sin. The things that you put in front of you, the, the media platforms, your phone, your tablet, your TV, whatever, the people that you're putting yourself around, all of those things, whatever you put in front of you is what's going to seep in and saturate and filter into your heart. So very first thing is just don't fill your mind with sin. And Psalm 101 kind of establishes that. I will, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. I sh- it shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far from me. I will know nothing of evil. So thing number one is just don't intentionally fill your mind with sin and, and, and perversion and, and things of the like. But there's another side to loving God with all of your mind that we don't necessarily consider as, as a problem in our lives or sin and that's coming out of a story from Luke about Mary and Martha. This is one of the first stories that I've ever taught out of the Bible, and it's one that keeps picking at me and keeps poking me because I, I get over busy. I get, well, let's go to the text. <laughs> Luke chapter 10 says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha came to him into her house. And she had a sister named Mary <clears throat> who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. You see, Martha welcomed Jesus into her home. That was a good thing. Martha served Jesus, also a good thing. But Martha got so busy serving Jesus and getting busy with the chores and getting busy with other things that she didn't take the time to hear Jesus. That was a bad thing. It is very easy to get caught up in work and then taking your kids to soccer practice or whatever, baseball practice or any number of things and you have things that go on after work and you work overtime and then after you get done with everything at the end of the night, you sit down with your laptop, you finish up emails to, that are requiring of your attention for work or anything else and, and then by the time you're done with all of that, then you go to bed, you wake up the next morning and you do the exact same thing. And the issue there is that we don't take any time as we get so busy to, to listen to what Jesus has to say. We don't take time to stop and consider what his word is trying to tell us, what he's trying to tell us. We get caught up in a rat race, a hustle, a drive, whatever you want to call it. And we put each one of those things before Jesus. We place those things before him, in front of him, and say, I'm sorry, I have to take care of these things before I can spend time with you. And what happens is by the end of the day, you're not spending time with him. We have to set time aside to listen to and hear from Jesus in order to grow in his word. Not just from other pastors and, and not just from you know, what, what the Lord is telling our friends, but what he's trying to tell us, what he's trying to minister to us, what he's trying to do in us. This requires a certain drive on our part that takes effort to stop what you're doing and sit down and open your Bible and have a highlighter and a pen out and get ready to study and learn and hear 
just taking five minutes can really be tough because in five minutes, it, it takes the first five, 10, 15 minutes just to get your mind to stop thinking about the grocery list or whatever else you're focused on. But taking time to actually sit down and listen to and hear from the Lord, that takes effort on our part. But we don't like to do things that aren't of value to us. And so the trust that comes in is that we have to trust that the Lord is actually going to meet us, that he's actually going to speak to us, that he's going to refresh our minds and take care of us. And, and that stress and that overwork that we, that we put onto our hearts, that he's going to remove that, that he's going to minister to us, that he's going to fill us by his spirit. And so in thinking about loving God with all your mind, question number two what was the last thing that you heard or learned from the Lord? Not from something that Pastor Miles said, this is what the Lord is telling me or him, but something that the Lord spoke to you about. Something that you heard in spending time with the Lord. If it's nothing, then what needs to happen to change that? And again, practical, thinking practical here. What needs to change? If it is something, then great. I love to hear that. What do you do to take the next step to continue hearing from the Lord, to make sure that you continue in that spot? With weight training, anytime you're pushing weights, you want to add a little bit of weight. You don't want to ever just leave it. You want to add a little bit of weight so you can continue to grow in strength. What do you do to add to that strength? Again, I'll, I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to give you guys a couple minutes, well, about a minute to think about, consider... Alrighty. <clears throat> Loving God with all of your heart. The next thing that he brings up. In loving God with all of your heart, I want to think about it like this. I'm going to drop an analogy on you guys, and I hope it makes sense to you. But as we were kind of going through, what's the difference between the mind and, and the heart and, and the soul and all of that? If the mind and the body or the strength are the tree, they are the soil, the, the ground in which the heart they're planted upon the ground, which is the heart. So the body and the, or the strength and the mind are both planted upon the heart. They are uh, part of the heart. They are intertwined with the heart. What goes, if the, if the soil, the ground, if that's good soil, it will produce good things for that tree. It will produce a healthy tree. If the soil is bad, it will have ill effects on that tree. What goes into the soil is important because it directly affects how, what happens to your soul. 
the soil, considering that it is the heart, if, if there's bad soil, it affects what takes place with your soul, which is eternal. And so if the heart is bad, the rest of you will be affected. The things that you say, the things that you think, the things that you act. If the heart is filled with the fullness of God, however, it will produce that same thing, which is the fruit that comes from the Spirit of the Lord. Luke chapter 6, verse 43 says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from bramble bushes. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So the things that you do with your mind, the things that you do with your body, they are absorbed into the heart. The things that the heart absorbs are what overflow out of us. It's this vicious circle. If you're taking in evil and wickedness, it's going to absorb into the heart. If you're taking in goodness from the Lord, it's going to absorb into the heart. But whatever you absorb in is what's going to end up coming back out of the abundance of the heart, out of the abundance of the mouth flows from the heart. I got that. Yeah, out of the abundance of the heart flows the mouth. The mouth speaks. Thank you, Jeannie. Appreciate it. <laughs> and so an easy metric, there's, there's lots of lists in the, New Te- in the New Testament that, you know, this is wickedness and then this is goodness. And th- there's a whole bunch of them. I chose one out of uh, Galatians chapter, chapter 5 just to do a test, a metric against our own lives. And so Galatians chapter 5 verse 19 says, now... The works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, revelries, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So obviously, that's the bad list. That's the things that you don't want to have a part of your life, that you don't want your life to look like. But then there's also the fruit of the Spirit in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And the question here, when it comes to the two different lists, the works of the flesh and the works of the Spirit, which of these better describes your life? Which of these do you see more evidence in your life? Do you see more works of the fruit of the Spirit, which, amen, praise the Lord? Is it more that you see a lot of the works of the flesh happening? Is it a heavy mixture of both? If you're seeing things that you don't want to see, then what needs to happen in order to change that? If you're seeing the works of the flesh, then what steps do you need to take to change that. So again, this is another question that I'm going to offer to you guys and just give you a minute to consider, think about, and, and write down your response.
So the final thing that God calls us to do is love him with all of our soul. It should be no mystery to us that we are sinners. If you've gone to church one day or a thousand days, it should be no surprise that we are a people burdened with sin, that our souls are beaten down by sin. Romans 3, 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are in a desperate need for something. We are lacking. We, we have a need. But you'll notice that the verse doesn't end there. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation or the appeasement satisfaction of God's wrath by his blood to be received by faith. When our soul was lost, Jesus stepped in. He took our punishment and he offered us righteousness. To love God with all of your soul, you have to offer it to him completely. You have to give it to him. It belongs to him. It has to be his. We can no longer live the ways that our flesh wants us to live, but we have to live in the way that he has called us to live, which gives us a life of holiness that's, that's only found in him. You see, of all four of the aspects that we are called to love God with, our, our strength and our mind and our heart, all of those things perish with us. Our, our bodies are going to fail at some point and we are going to die. Those three things will fail. Our soul, however, is eternal. And I don't know about you guys, but I want to rest it in a place that is secure and that's with the Lord. And offering our souls completely to the Lord he keeps it secure with him. There is no safer place for it. And so I'm actually gonna invite the ushers to come up and the worship team because we're taking communion this morning. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As we're taking communion today, I don't have a question for you for this last part. I want to just take the time as we're singing and praising the Lord to consider what the Lord has done, to remember what he's done. Remember the grace that he's offered to us freely. To be thankful for the sacrifice that he's made for us. That's why we sing praises. And to be humbled that even though we fail continually, that his grace is sufficient and his mercies are new every day. And man, we praise the Lord because it is a, it is a good gift that he has given us. Mm-hmm.